Okay, welcome back. Uh, today is Wednesday, again. Uh, September 15, the middle of September. Um, time moving quickly. And this is episode 27, coming to the end of the Changsu series. Uh, the This uh, final phase of sessions coming to the end of the Changsu series... Uh, reviewing chapters 1 through 7, the inner chapters um, of Chongzhu, translated by Burton Watson. This chapter 6 is the great and venerable teacher, and this is where we're going to end the series in uh, the rereading and sort of distillation of main principles from this chapter 6. And <clears throat> it's a very fine summary, at least the first half of this chapter, uh, of the Jinren, the true man, person. And uh, very similar to the mind of Atman, actually. And um, like I've said many times, uh, the Taoist is not a hippie. The Taoist is actually a very serious mind and does enjoy, you know, I mean, I'm not a Jinren or I'm aspiring. I'm the student of a Jinren. <laughs> Would never say I am a Jinren or righteous, uh, completed being or anything like that. Obviously not, I'm not. But uh, <clears throat> from my position as a student of Jinren, seeking such, um, we can say that Jinren enjoys radical spiritual freedom. The praxis or practice or way to get to uh, a great radical freedom is not really spelled out explicitly in this core Taoism. Core Taoism being Chongzu and Laozi, Dao De Jing and the Chongzu. In many ways, it's like the discussion of non-duality in Western Advaita Vedanta, particularly these days, where there's a whole lot of discussion of the yani, the um, self-realized being, and more discussion... Uh, on what is that radical freedom, non-duality, while the way to it um, is not... There there is no um, magic formula. There is no um, one-size-fits-all sequence of stages of development, actually. Because thinking the stages of development is not the same as having experienced or gone them gone through them uh, in the full mind body spirit complex, our totality, or all that we are, having such radical transformation. It can't be. It, it's led by mind, but it's not the product of thinking. And so there's a radical surrendering needed for the radical freedom a surrendering of control. And so we know love and control are opposite or a polarity, positive path, love, unconditional acceptance, negative path or service to self path, control, domination, manipulation. Separate, the path of separation versus the path of unity. And so to, to, to achieve a final and complete non-duality or complete and perfect enlightenment, or the Jinren, or Jivatman uniting with Paramatman, 
um, one can't fully control the the journey, controlling conscious mind, directing and calculating and rearranging and establishing and holding is not the way. There is some degree of surrender. There's the work of restraint, like moral restraint, to keep in right speech and right action. There's the effort of looking deeper into teachings to understand them. These are obviously effortful. Um, Yet... Uh, <clears throat> trying to think the think the awakened non-dual awareness into existence is futile, impossible, uh, no no can do. Uh, to control mind uh, will not get us to um, this radical freedom. Radical freedom is on the other side of both effort and surrender. And so then there's a balance of effort and surrender. There's the effort of restraint, right restraint, particularly moral, do no harm to self and other. And then there's the effort of contemplation, look deep, think, um, find answers, resolve confusion, know yourself, know others well. And then the effort of meditation, concentration, dharana, sadhana, practice. These require effort. Um, but at a certain stage of the doing, or perhaps through the essence of inter- particularly practice, meditation, sadhana practice, meaning any kind of concentrative practice, a mindfulness practice, begins with effort and goes in through uh, surrender. And so then the effort is the effort of right surrender. <laughs> Consistent right surrender, I call fierce non-doing. It's not really fierce, it's not aggressive, but it is uh, a commitment which requires effort to a non-grasping condition, like in mindfulness. Concentration won't get to radical freedom, but it can get close. There is some kind of letting go of the concentrated attention in advanced meditation, moving from, you know, shamatha to vipassana to insight, where some kind of right surrender is needed. The Taoist <clears throat> teaching here uh, explains the mind of the Jinren and the nature of his, her radical freedom does not extend, does, does not extend to uh, extensive teaching on moral restraint, but the perspective of the seeker of Jinren uh, involves a whole lot of seeing clearly and detachment, for sure. And in many ways, like I say, you know, humility is simply realism. The person who has right, <clears throat> a real, realistic assessment of self and other, realistic assessment, self-knowing, knows their strengths and weaknesses. Nityananda is saying that that's the way of buddhi, or part of buddhi. The buddhi is the um, discriminative awareness that can see mind, that is detached from mind and sees mind. Likewise, the Taoist is, the Changsu teaching in the inner chapters, Taoist is critically concerned with knowing mind well. But knowing mind well 
involves knowing the limits of mind, <clears throat> where thinking is futile, where seeking to control outcome is futile, where not knowing is mm, inevitable, and making clear distinction um, from, a, from a, a clear distinction about what can be known, what can't be known, what <clears throat> should be and should not be attempted. Uh, the difference between heaven and man, the difference between the gender and the common man, the difference between attachment and freedom, between grasping and a rightful surrender, or grasping and rightful detachment. The very subtle things. And it doesn't have to be studied one, two, three, four in sequence. Uh, it's kind of imagistic. Uh, but the this chapter six is in some ways uh, the pinnacle of Chang's teaching on the Jinren, uh, the freedom of the Jinren, and uh, aspects of the knowing, discernment, and detachment that lead to the freedom. <clears throat> and so it's very much like uh, Yana Yoga in my under limited understanding of the, the you know Ashtanga yoga or the various yogas that lead that are complementary but also distinct paths to the radical freedom of you know self-realization in Dvaita Vedanta or union with Paramatman or, or complete and perfect enlightenment. You know the first stop is Atman and the next stop is Logos. So <laughs> first stop six chakra Next, cha- next uh, stop, um, community of the guardians, eighth density, logoic union, fusion to some degree. So don't forget that, if you know what I'm talking about. So what I'm going to do is actually just go car- paragraph by paragraph. It's going to be slow, uh, but rich, I hope you may find so. And <clears throat> uh, bear in mind, again, um, the radical freedom of Denren is the result of a lot of effort, but also a lot of surrender, or this and the surrender, the effort of surrendering, the effort, the right effort of right surrender, <laughs> and that's a subtle matter, because you can't control it, because it's surrender, and so there's the um, deep understanding that comes over time of what right surrender is all about, and it's not you know, let people step on you. (laughs) We're talking about something a whole lot more subtle than that, obviously. It's not surrender to evil. It's surrender to what is. It's it's like um, humility as realism. One doesn't have natural humility, which is, yes, I have this development, yes, I have these blockages, yes, I'm at a certain point, if we're looking at a relative view of development, seven chakras, seven dimensions, evolution, time and space, reincarnation. Yes, I'm at this relative point, and uh, many are uh, earlier and many are later. (laughs) Many are younger and many are older. Hmm. So I ain't hot shit. I'm at this point, (laughs) you know. I'm six years old, and some are older, and some are younger, and that's that. And so... Uh, this is a useful perspective. So let's see how we do. Chapter 6, the great and venerable teacher who's called Dunren. 
uh, Chuang Tzu translated by Burton Watson. Paragraph 1. He who knows what it is that heaven does and knows what it is that man does has reached the peak. Knowing what it is that heaven does, he lives with heaven. Knowing what it is that man does, he uses the knowledge of what he knows to help out the knowledge of what he doesn't know and lives out the years that heaven gave him without being cut off midway. This is the perfection of knowledge. So what's here called the perfection of knowledge of the Jenren in his, her radical freedom is here seen as a dual knowing. Knowing what heaven does, knowing what man does. The ways of heaven, the ways of man. There's a distinction. (laughs) They're not the same. All is one, but that doesn't mean that, you know, Bobby Kennedy and Adolf Hitler are the same. No, they're not. And so, be careful (laughs) with... uh, conceptualizations of uh, non-duality before you're uh, finished with seven chakras. So, then, what heaven does are universal principles. What is? What man does is a complex of universal understanding and distortion. And then the ways of society, which are quite variable. In some sense, heaven does the changeless, and man does the variable. Man changes, heaven is. The logos is, the laws are, law of karma, the law of polarity, the laws of light, which are associated with polarity, and the reality of polarity, which is heaven and earth are on a single string. Right and wrong are on a single string. Mm. Life and death are on a single string. Mm. Polarity is a unity. Meanwhile, there's a distinction between, you know, head and tail, (laughs) top and bottom, right and left, more and less. Yeah, there's a distinction, and they're on a single string. Two sides of the same coin, same, same. So, but that's associated with heaven. What's associated with man is this, you know, very fallible third density space-time manifestation and the social complex around us. It's important to know both. The universal... The changeless, um, tatvam, or tat, tatsat, the manifestation of it, really. <clears throat> so know the buddhi and know the manasic. <clears throat> know, get a sense of the absolute, but don't neglect the relative. The Taoist is very practical. Taoist is not a dope. He's not a hippie. Hippies are all right, but you know, they're pretty limited, actually. More than I had thought. So knowing what heaven does, he lives with heaven. He doesn't master heaven. He doesn't surmount heaven. He uh, makes harmony. He's in harmony with the universal, with the changeless, with the paranormal, the, the para, well, the, the transpersonal, paranormal, we can say, but it's really the, the eternal, the changeless, the reality of polarity, the reality of, the, of, of time and space and its consequences and the illusory nature of time and space. The difference between relative and absolute, these are all of heaven. It's a pretty heavy stuff. The Taoist is a, is a wise fellow. <laughs> then there's man. And knowing what it is that man does, what does this Jinren do? Well, he de- it's not written here, 
that knowing what man does, he lives with man. That like knowing what heaven does, he lives with heaven. Why? <laughs> because man is really screwy. And so man is screwy, meaning very uh, unstable. And meaning our mind is unstable a bit too, naturally. Mm. And then there's the issue of knowing. And so it's easier to know the universal than to know the human. <laughs> it's easier to attain complete and perfect enlightenment than to make um, excellent relationship with everyone. Huh. That's interesting. That's my view, personally. Uh, it's easier to attain... You know, some Tibetan Lama was asked something like, Oh, uh, you live in solitude, or you're a monk, you have celibacy. Isn't that really difficult? He said something like, No, it's not as difficult as marriage. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, making excellent partnership is difficult. Making excellent relationship is difficult. Making excellent ongoing harmony in a collective or a group is difficult. Probably more difficult than the solitary work of knowing what heaven is and being in harmony with it, actually. It's okay, fine. So knowing what it is that man, knowing what it is that man does, the ways of humanity, we use, that it's not as simple as he lives with man. Why? Because of the issue of knowledge, because we're a work in progress, because some of what humans say is right and some of it is clearly wrong. Some human ways are very helpful, some human ways are very harmful, and they're mixed up together. And uh, like the person who is excessively friendly. Somebody could say it's compensatory to some kind of antisocial tendency or some anger or some psychological issue they're unwilling to look into. Sure. Overly this or overly that in the conscious attitude is almost always compensatory to some kind of psychological issue the person's not willing to face. But then we can say, somebody may say, oh, he's really just an angry man. He's just pretending to be friendly. He's really just that. That's not true. He is also that, that he's avoiding. But that's not all he is. Meanwhile, it's very easy to say he's just that. He's really angry. Presuming that that's that the unconscious that is the unconscious process that is there is all of what is there or the true nature of what is there. No, that's just another aspect of the, of the psychology of the deep mind. That's the shadow being unseen. That's not the whole of him, her, her either. Same thing with a wanderer. Oh, I'm really a wanderer. That's who I am. Oh, really? Oh, really? Well, well, who were you? Before you were a manifest being in the octave, huh? who will you be after you finish identity and extensity? Huh? Meaning, you don't 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 stop before you're finished. Most everyone's knowledge stops where they're comfortable and uh, where the light's too bright. Where the light is bright enough, they stop. We stop. Where the light's too bright, we don't go. What light? The light of of reality. The light of power. The light of God power in deeper levels of truth. Mm-hmm. Right. A higher energy configuration of the seven rays, greater fifth ray activation, more linkage between six and seven, more spiritualization of mind, deeper levels of understanding is painful. 
when you know because it pushes on the blockages of of the chakra condition the imbalances the blockages it's um uh, cathartic to seek absolute understanding and most people are not willing to go through the distortion leavings that come up with going to ever deeper levels of comprehension of anything including the self including humanity including you know the way of heaven most people think a little then stop and me too i have my limits of understanding too and so um, only god is omniscient uh, only the logos or and those above only those in the council of saturn and above are omniscient what we would call omniscient meaning fully free from the maya of time space and light i mean most people don't even know what we're talking about here and why because they think it's useless they think that their spiritual nature is useless for their quality of life ah okay well i don't think that and some will say you're psychologically damaged and some will say you're all delusional and some will say ah shut up man just get you know change the channel what else on tv like the garage attendance at the end of They Live. There's a little comment from John Carpenter at the end of They Live, the movie, when the garage attendants uh, watching the TV that shows the uh, aliens in human form, (laughs) when the channel goes off, they basically say, what else is on TV? (laughs) Meaning that that doesn't mean that much to many people too. The radical truth of the uh, matrix of evil. (laughs) So... Uh, knowledge is a function of courage. <laughs> the knower is a great hero, Virya, Mahavira. The great hero, the great hero is the one who's fully perfected the seven rays and the whole mind, body, spirit, beingness, energy circulation system, the whole grid, the whole seven dimensional, you know, apparent self has been fully light-fused, light, um, transparent to God-light, completely non-obstructive to God-light. That's a pretty damn big matter. I'm not saying I'm there, but I can see what's ahead in the headlights. And that's how I can, one way to conceive it. That's difficult. Likewise, um, human knowledge is very limited. So knowing what it is that man does, the Jinrin knows that he doesn't have full knowledge yet. He also knows that he can't understand humans fully. He uses the knowledge of what he knows to help out the knowledge of what he doesn't know. <laughs> and also lives out the years heaven gave him without being cut off midway. And so the perfection of knowledge in this view from Changsu, core Taoism, is that um, it's a balance between, it's an integration and a, a, an honest assessment. There's some things I know, there's some things I don't. In fact, there's much more I don't know than I do know in the world of men. And even our understanding of heaven is going to be limited too. But it's easier to be in harmony um, with heaven than man, actually. One has to be very careful because there are a lot of trouble troublemakers here, you know. And so living with man... We are in body in this world, knowing we know our knowing is limited. Knowing our knowing is limited. This is the this is buddhi, buddhi looking at manasik. 
I know the fecundity of mind. I know this, my strengths and weaknesses. I know there's some I know and much more I don't know. That's, that's the higher mind looking at the lower mind or the higher mind looking at the whole mind or, or the whole personal mind. Realistically. And the Taoist value here is don't get cut off midway. Don't get into trouble. Then, paragraph two, Zhuangzi says, or Burton Watson translates Zhuangzi saying, however, there's a difficulty. This achieving this perfection of knowledge, which is a integration of knowing what we know, knowing what we don't know, and being careful. There is a difficulty. Knowledge, this perfect knowledge, must wait for something before it can be applicable, and that which it waits for is never certain. How then can I know what I call heaven is not really man, and what I call man is not really heaven? There must first be a dunran, a true man, before there can be true knowledge. So what? You've got to be fully enlightened before you can have the enlightenment, the knowledge of the fully enlightened? Something like that. So, excuse me. It's my jacket I'm unzipping. If it sounds like something else, it's not. Uh, How can we be fully enlightened? I mean, (laughs) he's really saying, I think, one must be the Jinren before one has this perfection of knowledge. So that only the Jinren would have the perfection of knowledge, which would lead to their life not at all being cut short and, you know, 10 for 10 score on the uh, Incarnation Life Review. Okay, that's fine. So we're aspiring, and therefore our knowledge is not perfect or true. Only... First we have the Jinren before there's true knowledge. Okay, so we won't have perfect knowledge of heaven and man and what we don't know until we're finished. Then there's no more not knowing. Okay, that's kind of circular. Uh, We can't really know fully what we call heaven is heaven, what we call man is man. What does it mean? It means the relative and the absolute. Universal principles versus our concoctions. People talk, talk about ego, right? Somebody, I just heard some... I'll send a link, or include the link. Of, someone sent me a, a Howard Storm interview from 2018, editing the interviewer out, which was useful to hear just Howard Storm's talk, which is it became a monologue here. And the interviewer was talking to him about some other teacher saying something like, we need a balance between empathy and ego. Empathy to be uh, kind and good to people and ego to take care of ourselves and deal with the obstructive, troubled, difficult people. Well, I don't think you need ego. <laughs> There's no such thing as ego. Everybody knows that. No, they don't. No, they, they don't know that. So they presuppose that the sense of self is a substantive tel- self. But if you don't use your mind to a certain degree, you won't even know the words... Uh, the phrase, a sense of self uh, is not a substantive self or a substantial self. There's no substantial metaphysical entity called ego while there indeed is a sense of self. And the sense of self is not a substantial, like just like Ross said, you know, and, and Buddhism says and Advaita Vedanta says, everybody who goes beyond self knows that there's no substantial ego, that there's anatta, and even self-realization is not a substantial separate of selfhood. So there's no reason to say you need ego and empathy. You don't need ego. There's no such thing there. What you need is discernment. 
So, when somebody comes to you who's obstructive, with wisdom, one knows how to handle such a troublemaker. That's all. <laughs> you need love wisdom. You need green, blue, indigo. But they, that teaching says you need empathy and ego. Really? I have to keep my ego? Okay. So that, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, somebody who hears that may think I'm wrong and somebody else doesn't think thinks I'm right and, or this is right. It's not even me. It's, this teaching is right or wrong. I don't know. Figure it out yourself. But you can see the difficulties in knowledge in, as Ross said, understanding not of, is not of your density. So only the Jinren will have this um, vast, great, uh, perfected fifth ray where uh, they see excellently clearly distinction and distortion and gradation and can speak of it and can explain. Um, very few do. Okay, fine. And there's a difference between the way of a sage and the talent of a sage, as we see later. The attainment and the capacity to, to serve or teach, different. So, there must be a true man before there's true knowledge. Fine, okay, we won't have true knowledge or uh, perfection of discernment, uh, buddhi, until there's self-realization, at least, the atmanic level. Fine. So then we have teaching here on what is this true man, Tundran, the upside-down man, <laughs> the one whose eyes, uh, the higher, the, whose, whose mind-body is well, is fully spiritualized. The integration of mind-body-spirit, unification of mind-body-spirit, perfection of love-wisdom balance, is um, the higher coming out through the lower, um, not the not 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 getting out of by my body exactly, but bringing non-duality or the 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 awareness of unity through my body, living in the the illusion of time space, three D time space, uh, with a mind free of time space. I'm not saying I'm there again, but I I think this is what we're talking about. So then, uh. Top of page 120, bottom page 119, the paragraph starts, What do I mean by a true man? And I'll use the term Jinren. What do I mean by a Jinren? The Jinren of ancient times did not rebel against want, did not grow proud in plenty, did not plan his affairs. A man like this could commit an error and not regret it, could meet with success and not make a show. A man like this could climb the high places and not be frightened, could enter the water and not get wet, could enter the fire and not get burned. His knowledge was able to climb all the way up, all the way up to the Tao like this. The true man of ancient times slept without dreaming and woke without care. He ate without savoring and his breath came from deep inside. The true man, the Jinren, breathes with his heels. The mass of men breathe with their throats. Crushed and bound down, they gasp out their words as though they were retching. Deep in their passions and desires, they are shallow in the workings of ten, heaven. The Jinren of ancient times knew nothing of loving life, knew nothing of hating death. He emerged without delight, he went back in without a fuss. He came briskly. This emerged and came means born. 
or um, uh, manifest, you know, whether there's physical birth and or speaking. Speaking is a, bir- is a birthing of the expression of mind into word into the physical world. Uh, so, likewise. He emerged without delight. He went in without, he went back in without a fuss. He came briskly, he went briskly, and that was all. He didn't forget where he began. He didn't try to find out where he would end. He received something and took pleasure in it. He forgot about it and handed it back again. This is what I call not using the mind to repel the Tao, not using man to help out heaven. This is what I call the true man. And so, very critical teaching, page 120 here. And so, the Jenren of ancient times, the true Jenren, the true true man, is not attached to circumstance. He may appreciate it, but he understands impermanence is the name of the game. Radical impermanence, eternal change, anicca He knows anicca dukkha. Hmm. He knows impermanence, transitoriness. There's always continual arising, persisting, and passing away of everything. Body forms and objects, people and relationships, states of mind, spiritual states. Uh, heaven and hell or joy and sorrow arise, persist, and pass away. Knowing knowing impermanence, anicca, profoundly um, itself leads to certain detachment. Likewise, he knows anatta and dukkha, anicca and dukkha, right? The three poisons or three unwholesome roots in Buddhism. Uh, For those who are just coming in. (laughs) Anatta, no self. Um, Insubstantiality, the radical insubstantiality or radical, um, ultimately, um, formlessness of all that we give name to, the emptiness of names, or the emptiness of that which is being named. The name is insubstantial, and that which is being named is itself not only impermanent, but actually without an abiding core, because that's what radical impermanence means. It's not just, you know, the, the, there's an acorn and then there's a big oak tree and then it falls over and it's dead. That's a macroscopic analysis or level of analysis. How about what is the acorn itself? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's uh, uh, molecules. Well, if we look in, we see empty space and subatomic, um, subatomic space. So it's all of that too. Is the subatomic space between the atoms of the molecules of the acorn any less the acorn than the whole thing? So we're calling a name, acorn, to a complex of countless phenomena, microscopic, you know, at various levels of of observation. What is that? Well, ultimately it's name and form, but... Can you? Which part of it is the acorn? It's uh, it was a very Nagasena dialogue, very old. What is the self? The arm, the leg, the head, the, the foot? Cutting off this, cutting off that. When can we say the self is not a self? If we're using the idea that the body is me. Cutting off this, cutting off that. Where do I have lost me? 
Cutting off the head? Okay. <laughs> Why? What's in the head? Mm. So you can't really even identify what it is that changes, but there's change. At least that's what we experience. And then dukkha, or the dissatisfactoriness of <laughs> inevitable unknowing, inevitable indescribability, and the inevitable attachment to, um, to, to pleasure and fulfillment, satisfaction, coming from uh, continual desiring. We have continual desiring. And even when we get what we desire, the mind states change. <laughs> uh, what was beautiful to me when I first acquired it, now I just like it. But the joy that I had upon first uh, receipt or acquisition isn't there. As well as the fact that like all relationships change, bodies change, everything decays and degrades in this world. There's a lot of dukkha or dissatisfaction to that impermanence and insubstantiality, in fact, associated with craving. When craving is over, dukkha is also over. That's another matter. So um, the genuine radical freedom is partly because of a profound understanding of impermanence and insubstantiality and the dukkha of all that the dissatisfactoriness of the fact of our experience of radical, incessant impermanence change and essential insubstantiality, that which appears to be impermanent. We can't even know what it is. We can't even say, it is this, the acorn is what? It's a complex. It's all a complex. Nama is the, com- is the name that we give to complex rupa, name and form, nama rupa. We give the name to form we say it's an acorn. Actually, it's a whole source of all sorts of stuff going on there. And, and if I say it's a uh, it's a subatomic space, that doesn't explain it all either. And so to say that the inner is true identity is not true because it's a complex of inner, outer, and much more that we don't even know. It's seven dimensional, in fact. So <laughs> understanding is very limited. Understanding is not every density because in this dimension or with our five senses and intellect, we can't even comprehend how little we know. In higher dimensions, they can comprehend how little they know. Here, we can't even comprehend how little we know or the unreliability of knowing. The genren knows that, though. And so, then knowing the um, impossibility of absolute knowing, knowing the inevitability of impermanence, knowing the essential, intractable reality of insubstantiality. It, 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 you can't even say what is, is a thing that's changing. Nor can you even say that I know anything fully, or I know what are the things that I think I know. <laughs> so it gets kind of freaky, and some people lose their mind about this, but that's not recommended. So meanwhile, knowing all that, I presume... He therefore doesn't rebel against want, therefore doesn't, so he's not super upset at deficiency, he's not super um, conceited in plenty and abundance, he understands they come and they go, enjoy what you can, but, you know, (laughs) all things must change. Sabbe dhamma anicca, all the dhammas, all phenomena is impermanent. He did not plan his affairs. And there's a, there's a line in the raw material talking about love and light go where they're called and needed, not planned with fixed plan of four times, something like that. 
So there's a lot of, you know, Ra is a Taoist, Ra is a Vedantist, Ra is a, you know, Pali Buddhist, meaning there's resonance in all those other systems of teachings with the raw material. And then only somebody who would look into all those teachings, Advaita Vedanta, Pali Buddhism, core Taoism, Zhongzi, Lao Tzu, would know that resonance with the raw material. But if you're here and you appreciate it, well, you got a big, uh, a big plate, a plate full, a big buffet of teaching, multidisciplinary and um, multi-lineage teaching. This is a part of my purpose. This is really part of my purpose in the last lifetime here, is to pull it all together as well as I can in my in this my own little way here, just to pull it together for whoever cares. Uh, before I say, see you later, <laughs> bye-bye, and that'll be that. So, um, integration of the multiple systems that I've enjoyed and learned from over the centuries and the incarnations during the contract, contract ending time now. So, then, this Tundran can commit an error and not regret it. I, I certainly regret <laughs> errors. Yet I also can see there's some perfection or justice to them. I wouldn't want to do what I regret again. And I wouldn't pretend I don't feel regret. I do, indeed, feel regret at this and that. But I also understand there's more to it, <laughs> where there's a certain justice. And, you know, don't worry, everybody gets their due, uh, their just desserts. So, <laughs> uh, doing harm, which could call is one type of error, harmfulness, wrong speech, wrong action. Uh, one should feel regret and remorse, frankly, uh, but the genren is finished with that already, you say. The genren is learned from regret, not suppressed regret and not been without regret. He had regret. She had regret too. He and she, let's have equality. So he and she, on the way to genren, we naturally feel regret and remorse. That's called healthy guilt and shame. It's pretty healthy, really. It's more like guilt than shame. Shame is a funny thing because shame is very much about feeling regret, feeling bad about how they see me, feeling bad about how I'm seen, feeling bad about my social image and reputation now. Guilt is more personal. I feel bad that I did this or that or didn't and he, she got hurt or there was failure. Uh, guilt is very personal. Guilt is a personal regret uh, regarding uh, personal conduct, um, self to self, in a sense, Re even if it's relational, how I'm feeling about myself based on how I feel regret for conduct. Shame is very much about how I feel bad about in association with how they see me in the collective. So. But the genren is beyond that, so the genren can commit an error. Well, I don't know. I'm not a genren. But certainly one can be uh, free of attachment to regret remorse and acknowledge regret remorse and try to do better next time, but not beat oneself up. Commit an error and not become self-punishing. How's that? That may be closer to our level. Could meet with success and not make a show. Right. Don't be an arrogant peacock. A man like this could climb high places, not be frightened. I mean, you know, I would be frightened. Could enter water and not get wet. 
And so this is about identity also. Could enter fire and not get burned, right? Who are you really? Um, there are two ways of taking these kinds of teachings in Taoism. One is magical and one is um, uh, spiritual consciousness enlightenment, meaning uh, there are magical powers one can develop, no doubt, to go to, to go through walls and go through earth and go into water without, uh, with no problem and go through fire with no problem, of course. And then, too, there is uh, an awareness of uh, true nature, one's true nature, where one knows um, the body being burnt is not me getting burnt. Now, that can go to psychosis and dissociation, but doesn't have to, obviously. And so, I'm not saying enter fire and, you know, try it for yourself, obviously. But this can mean that the Jinran knows his true nature enough to know that when there's fire-burning body, it isn't me getting burned. It's fire-burning body, and I... I, I is the one observing that. I is the observer, or I is the awareness that rec- that currently has this body that's now getting burnt. And um, <laughs> there's the, 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 so there are two ways anyway of looking at these kind of apparently fanciful um, claims for the genren. But finally the, the paragraph ends his knowledge was able to climb all the way up to the Tao like this so there's a deep understanding of, of true nature and identity or freedom from the, the identity of <laughs> no identity or the identity that true nature is not a self okay uh, freedom from fear therefore of being harmed because there's uh, recognition that true nature needs no protection. True nature n- is not destructible, actually. And not attached to self-punishment, and not arrogant, and not um, needing others' approval, either. Then, true man of ancient times slept without dreaming. That's susupti in, uh, in the Sanskrit yoga terminology, I think. And that means there's no more uh, psychological distress that comes out through dreams, the psychological type of dreams. Woke without care um, isn't carrying anxiety about incarnation. Commonly, we wake up in the morning and we, I noticed the other day, my mind was a little bit like, eh, here I am again. Uh, that could be released, <laughs> uh, known and released um, by acceptance and understanding, and then is okay, yeah, all right. So one can catch oneself possibly in the day doing, walking around the room um, with some frustration or impatience uh, about this or that. And if one caught that, one could acknowledge it and say, you know, slow down, take it easy, what's the problem? Actually, there's no problem. But yes, I'm still on earth and I have gazillion things to do and it never ends. Mm, that's true. It never ends. The, the, tasks, the, the tasks of sequence in 3D never end until you're out of 3D. Making peace with that can only come from a very deeply achieved tranquility mind.
a mind of really profound tranquility. Because there are countless things to do, you know. Why wake up in the morning, there are 50, 15 things to do, or 50. Mm-hmm. Sit here, the, what's the next, what's next, 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 next. There'll always be movements of body and hands and arms and speech and tasks. Endlessly. I mean, it actually continues in higher dimensions too, but it's quite a different environment and a different awareness. But it's pretty natural to wake with care. And most people sleep with uh, somewhat upsetting dreams periodically. That's not necessary. So it's not necessary. One can pass through the basis of psychological conflict, basis of um, disturbed sleeping with dream. One can also pass through or, or accept, understand, heal, be free of waking with care. So one can wake without care. It's possible. He ate without savoring. He's not trying to hold on to it or keep it, retain it. You know, he said, it cannot be. Breath came from deep inside. Very slow respiration. (laughs) And also um, a great unification of mind-body-spirit. And so the pranic channels from foot, from from toe to, from stern, what, stem to stern, or from uh, feet to, to crown, from the bottom to the top, the channels are open. And so the pranic flow is unobstructed from from top to bottom. Again, that's you know a great attainment. Mass of men breathe with their throats. Yes, indeedy. I mean, I read something about this recently, and the average respiratory rate is like uh, 15 a minute, something crazy like that. It's shocking. And so if you're breathing 10 to 15 respirations per minute... Um, that's normal? Yeah, that's kind of normal pathological, I think. So, ill health is normal here in this world. Pathological conditions are kind of normative now at this point. I mean, maybe they've always been, but um, one need not breathe with one's throat or shallow chest breathe or breathe a dozen times a minute. Commonly, there's going to be some kind of body-mind problem causing that. Then another comparison to the men of, world of men. Crushed, and I mean, this is extreme maybe, but, but there are people, a lot of people like it. Crushed and bound down, they gasp out their words as though they were retching. Um, a lot of people are in a lot of pain. The Jinren would know that. We should know that. We have pain. Are we in a lot of pain? Well, knowing we're in pain itself um, relieves some degree of pain. Knowing I feel pain and accepting it and willing to feel it, let it be, let it out, um, it reduces some of the pain, for sure. Uh, but many people are very much set against themselves, uh, avoiding the shadow, which really means they don't want to feel the pain they're in. It's endemic, it's a contagion, it's a pandemic of self-deception. Pandemic of self-deception. Mm pandemic of um, self-rejection. Self-deception is self-rejection. Not, uh, not acknowledging my pain is a betrayal uh, to our true self, is self-betrayal. Refusing to acknowledge my pain is self-betrayal, self-deception, and leads to greater pathology of my body, of course, obviously. Deep in their passions and desires, for those who are, 
They're shallow in the workings of heaven. Yes, you can't serve two masters, as Yeshua said, of course. And so you go up, you go down. Yeshua said, I'm from above, you're from below. Um, go up or go down, take your choice. Green, blue, indigo, or lower triad blockage. That's the choice. Um, green, blue, indigo doesn't exclude lower triad, but uh, give to Caesar what's due to Caesar. <laughs> Uh, yeah, take good care of your body. Yeah, be emotionally sensitive and present and open and non-controlling. And yeah, um, be socially engaged to whatever degree is right for you. And, <laughs> you know, continue working on green, blue, indigo. The, the higher triad. So then, the true man of ancient times knew nothing of loving life. He knew nothing of hating death. He's here. Okay, he's ready to go. Okay, I'm sick. I'm gonna. I'm sick and dying. Okay, I'm young and healthy. Okay, <laughs> I have tasks I gotta face. Okay, I'm finished and uh, it's falling apart. Okay, it's a great attainment to be so free. <laughs> he emerged without delight. He went back in without a fuss. Emerged meaning uh, born without delight, because he's not loving life. He emerged without delight emerged without delight because he's not attached to incarnation, because he knows that life and death are on a single string, two sides of the same coin. Inevitable, day, night, day, night, day, night, life, death, born, uh, here, there, here, there. Really, really, really knowing that with from a very quiet, peaceful mind that is somewhat changeless, actually. The, you know, the only thing that's eternal is nothing. No thing is changeless. Right. So nothing is changeless. No things are changeless. But no thing is changeless. <laughs> eh? uh, freedom from <laughs> birth is freedom from death. <clears throat> uh, Non-arising is the deathless. Okay. So he came briskly, he went briskly, and that was all. I'm born, I do my thing, and I leave. He didn't forget where he began, so he knows where he began. But that doesn't mean he can fully conceive of it. I mean, I can't. Maybe he could. But he didn't try to find out where he would end, meaning he doesn't really know what he hasn't gone to yet. He doesn't. We don't know what full enlightenment is because we're not there yet. <clears throat> we can speculate, we can think about, it's fine. But we shouldn't presume that all of our conceivings of the future uh, are will be so or are so because I don't know where I haven't been yet I don't know what full healing is I don't know what full enlightenment is I don't know what the, the genren is I don't know what absolute non-duality is I don't know what paramatman is I don't know what eighth density is I don't know why the logos lets genocide continue on planet earth and so many people kill themselves and kill each other and have cold heart and will go to hell after death. I don't know why. I don't know how that's karmically just and fair. But I accept that I don't know. So <clears throat> he received something. He didn't forget where he began. He didn't, find, didn't try to find out where he'd end. He knows he cannot know. Even the genren cannot know because, of course, it's unknowable. It's inconceivable. It's not conceivable. Of course. <clears throat> he received something, took pleasure in it, he forgot about it, and handed it back again. Personally, I think this is a b 
beautiful paragraph, middle of 120. He came briskly, he left, left briskly, and that was all. <clears throat> I came, I saw, I left. I came, I saw, I spoke a little bit, then I left. That's on my tombstone. He came, or I came, I saw, I spoke a bit, and I left. And I welcome you, wish you well. He received something, took pleasure in it. He forgot about it and handed it back again. Radical detachment. And again, you know, he's very well. <laughs> he's not unwell. So don't pretend to be this when you're not. Meanwhile, we can learn something from it. This is what I call not using the mind, also manas, to repel the Tao, the way. Also, not using man to help out heaven, because help, heaven doesn't need help. Universal principles are, reality is. The question is whether you get it or not, how well you get it, how well you want to get it or be in harmony with it. Like Nityananda said, you know, the ocean doesn't, <clears throat> the, the, the ocean is the ocean. Uh, it's up to you how big the container uh, you bring to draw from it. Likewise, uh, Satguru needs no help. Not that Sadguru, the real Sadguru, the Sadguru of, of Paramatman, needs nothing from the devotee or the seeker or the, or the disciple. <laughs> God needs nothing from you. The question is, what do you want to do? What, what's crucial? What's, what, what's really important? What are your values? And so, uh, giving to the worthy or loving Godhead is good for us. But Godhead and the worthy don't need it. The ocean doesn't need uh, a container or the, the true essential Godhead absolute doesn't demand this or that, actually. It's a matter of do you want to keep evolving out of Dukkha into light or not? How much do you wish to do that? He received something and took pleasure in it. He forgot about it and handed it back again. This is what I call not using the mind, the little mind, the discriminating mind, particularly the monastic mind, to repel the Tao. Don't repel absolute principles by attachment to preference and our ignorance unrecognized. Not using man to help out heaven, because <laughs> heaven don't need your help. Uh, help yourself. This is what I call the Jenren, and that's where we'll end for the day. Bottom page 120. And um, I think this is a really fine chapter and um, worthy of a long contemplation. So, that's that. I will briskly end. So, thanks for being here. And um, please take good care of yourselves. See you next time. And good night. <laughs>